Tom It's time for Tom Girl with JJ Jurgens. A different breed. Welcome to Tom Girl, where we talk all things sports, entertainment, fashion, and adventure. We have a very special guest on today's episode, Ann O'Neill. Ann played Division I college basketball, first for Illinois before transferring to Iowa State, where she was an athletic and academic All-American, and then went on to play in the WNBA. She now does mindset and leadership consulting and works as a senior cyber transformation leader at Palo Alto Networks. In addition to all of that, she also is the host and producer of her very own podcast, which you need to listen to as well, Get Busy Living. Welcome to the show, Anne. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. I do consider myself a Tom girl, so I am ready to rock and roll with you. Oh, I love it. I love it. You know, we were introduced by Brenda Van Langen, who uh, we both just love, and I'm so glad she made this connection, because as we were talking, like, just from the second I got off the phone with you the first time we talked, I was just like, oh, I can't wait to talk to her more interview. You just had such a great energy and spirit. I was just motivated just talking to you. <laughs> yes, yes. Brenda is amazing. She's been, you know, so helpful in so many different types of introductions, whether that was to TV color commentating or amazing people like you. I'm always like, whenever she says that she has an introduction, I'm like, yes, like I'll love to talk to them. So yes, I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, that's great. She definitely is always dear in my heart because she's the whole reason that I was able to play at Nebraska. I, you know, wrote her a letter back in the time after attending her, her basketball camps and her coaching there. So yes. So very grateful to you, Brenda. <laughs> But yeah, let's dive into, you have such, I mean, so much I want to talk about. You have such a great story. Let's first start talking about basketball. Where, <laughs> when did your love of basketball begin? Oh my gosh. Uh, wow. Where did it begin? So when I was a kid, I was so curious. I just was interested in anything I could get my hands on. So it started off with like astrology or spirituality or art or soccer. So any like of my classes, I was just extremely interested in science. Um, and then of course, like I said, it was very competitive at recess, you know? So I, you know, was always playing with the boys, whether it was kickball or doing like the pass punt kick um, competitions that we had back in the day in elementary school. So I just was like, what, what's possible out here and how can I challenge myself? And I was always just really interested in being curious. And I guess my love for sports did start, like I said, in recess, whether that was gymnastics or kickball. And I got into soccer and I played in an Olympic development program with all boys. Oh, wow. So I was, yeah. So I was in elementary school at 10 or 11 years old and I was on a traveling soccer team with all boys and we would practice. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> so that, Hey, so the Tom girl really did fit yeah. right away, right from the start. So, so I practiced, you know, three times a week. It was just as competitive as it is these days where you're practicing all the time and, and competing and going to different tournaments. And so that's kind of where I started being competitive and playing at a higher level, because of course the boys were a little bit faster, taller, stronger than I was at that time. And so, cause I was playing also a year up. And so I was always just challenged a little bit there. But like you mentioned, I'm from Iowa and the winters were cold and miserable. And <laughs> I was so used to playing outside all of the time that I found my way towards basketball and I got to play on an AAU all girls basketball team. And so I really kind of developed myself from that kind of an age where I could practice and play 
all of the time. And, and there's, a, there's fun stories where I got into national tournaments there. So we can, we can dive more into that. But that's kind of like my first introduction was the winters were cold and I needed a place to go run around. And that's how I got into basketball. I get it. Totally get it. I'm your neighbor being in Nebraska. So I understand. <laughs> Feel your pain. Feel it. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Let's yes. dive into those stories. Cause that's, I, I want to hear more. I know I want to ha- have you tell me about the Pat Summit story at some point. Cause I think that's amazing, but yeah, okay. give, me, give me your best Early okay, got it. Okay, yeah. So yeah, Pat Summit, you know, one of the legendary coaches, uh, one of the best in all time, whether men's or women's college basketball. So we'll get into that. So where did it start? So I went to like an AAU national tournament and you played division one basketball. So you know this where you're practicing all the time. And it was in Terre Haute, Indiana. And I was a 10 or 11 years old and playing up. And so when I would go and play against all of the California teams or New York teams or Texas teams, you know, people were towering over us and they were had so much better skills. And I walked away from those national tournaments like, I need to go to the gym. Like if they're that good, then maybe I can try to be that good. And so I took that time to practice after that. I was like, oh my gosh, I have to like try to match some of these girls that I saw. And in that time period, I actually received my first um, college basketball letter, recruiting letter. And so I was, I think, 12 years old at the time. And it was from the University of Northern Iowa. And so I was like leaving gym class in sixth grade. And they're like, you have a piece of mail. And I was like, what? So I went to my locker and opened this up. And it was, you know, we'd love to recruit you to play basketball at the University of Northern Iowa. And at 12 years old, I was like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. Like they were able to watch one of those national tournaments that I mentioned and watch their games. And, you know, I must have played well enough to, to start to look for that recruiting. And at 12 years old, for me, the biggest thing that was is it just gave me a point in the future to set my mindset to, like really set those goals out there. So from that point forward, I really kind of focused on basketball and developing my skill sets. And at that time, that was a lot of dribbling because I was already 5'8 at the time, 5'9 at 12 years old. But my mom, yeah, my mom is only 5'2. And so I did have a coach tell me, you better work on your dribbling. You might not get very much taller. So I ended up, you know, that was probably one of the biggest things about my career is I would always be dribbling. So whenever you saw me, I always had a ball in my hands and I would sit on the bleachers and dribble. You know, I'd go into the locker rooms and dribble against a wall. So that was my way of really kind of honing in on skills that, would really pay off in the game, whether, you know, that was jumping rope or dribbling, all those kinds of things. So there's the inset of, you know, getting that letter and really kind of being like, oh, I could be great if I really tried it and applied myself. So fast forward a few years, I'll tell you about the Pat Summit story. So I was being recruited by, by a lot of, um, you know, incredible universities across, you know, the nation. And it was, it was amazing because I really loved the game and I was surrounded by in my AAU team, all players that were playing division one or going to be playing division one basketball. So that was amazing. And then my high school game, uh, so I'll set the scene. It was my junior year of high school and it was in the middle of winter, of course, in Iowa. So January, you like, I just can always expect a blizzard whenever you have a basketball game. And it was like a random Tuesday night that we were playing outside of town and we were in warmups and you could kind of hear this commotion in the stands. And I was like, what is going on? And my, my high school coach pulled me aside and goes, and Pat Summit and her head coach or head associate coach, Mickey DeMoss showed up to watch this game. They chartered in a flight to watch you play. And I'm like, what? And so I looked a little <laughs> closer into the stands and, you know, they were sitting up by themselves 
in the stands to watch and recruit. And it was just so cool. It was such an, yeah. an incredible experience to have, you know, one of the all-time best coaches of all time, you know, be able to come to your game on a random Tuesday night in the middle of a blizzard and yeah. charter a flight there. And so that was just an incredible, you know, moment for me just to have, you know, somebody like that uh, come to the game. And um, I can tell you a little bit about after the game. Do you want me to share that story? Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> So the, the fun thing is, you know, I don't really remember how the game went, uh, but, you know, you would think that the conversation would be all about Pat Summit being at the game or, you know, how many jumpers I made or missed or turnovers. And what ended up happening is we had these two older gentlemen that would come to all of the basketball games within the city in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and they would keep track of all the stats. But anyway, there was the huge blizzard. And so after the game, my parents were like, let's give Ryan and Greg, were their names, a ride home. And so we got in the car. And again, we were like 30 minutes outside of town. You would think, again, the conversation would maybe be about the game. And they talked the entire time so passionately about their upcoming game. And that was what was so cool is because I was introduced to them being more than fans. They were literally ended up being my friends and kind of an integral part of my high school career from then on out. I'd, I'd look for them after the games or during the games to give them a high five. Mm -hmm. And then I went to their games in the Special Olympics because they were so passionate about their upcoming game. And so that whole night was really interesting because I thought it was all about this one thing, but it ended up being a bigger about listening and, you know, really seeing who's around to help support your story. So yeah. that was fun. But those are, those are a little bit of tidbits from basketball. So you got a little bit of the awesomeness of Pat Summit, but also <laughs> real, real life uh, experience of, you know, seeing who's all, all around you because, you know, you just never know who's going to be listening and really want to share their story with you. So mm -hmm. that was a cool memory for me, for sure, from my high school days. Yeah. Just the great lessons that basketball seems to always teach us and bring us into life. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Not just about the wins and losses or who was there, but definitely the people that, you know, surround you and, and share in your, in, in the wins and losses with you. Mm -hmm. So let's talk your college career. So being from Iowa, you didn't go to Iowa state right away. You went to Illinois first. So talk about how different like that decision was and then your process of deciding to go back yeah so I so throughout this recruiting process it's a very interesting process uh for for kids uh, you know for especially as you're being recruited you know so I uh, finalized my last final five decisions were Purdue Iowa State Illinois, Duke, and Stanford. And so I went to five official visits at the time. That was the rule by the NCAA is that you could go to their campus and spend 48 hours on campus, getting to know the coaches and the team and just kind of the area. And so those are my final five choices. And it was a big choice because of course I had spent, you know, the last 10 years being completely focused on school and basketball. And so I chose Illinois uh, coming out of that year because we had the second best recruiting class in the nation at the time. And Illinois had just been to the NCAA tournament and had no seniors. So we were coming into a team that was going to be very young and extremely talented in the Big Ten. So that's the University of Illinois. It was also, you know, five hours from where I lived in Cedar Rapids. And my parents were going to be able to make a few games. So those were the main choices of why I chose Illinois, of course sometimes things don't go as planned, <laughs> which we can always talk about because you might have, again, that goal and th that destination out there, but the GPS mm -hmm. might lead you in a few different directions. And that's what happened there for me. So I ended up uh, transferring from Illinois and went, decided to go to Iowa State. And one of the biggest choices that I made in that transfer was 
I had spent hours and hours playing basketball by myself or practicing, you know, in the gym by myself. And so to be able to go to a program that averaged almost 10,000 fans was a really big deal for me. I really, really loved that. And so Iowa State has had just um, a historic, historically great program with also an incredible fan base. And so it was really one of those things where I thought, you know, I could play well with a great team and, you know, be able to be in a community of fans that really supported women's basketball. So that was my, the reason for the uh, transfer there. And I bet your home state was so happy to have you back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, yes. I mean, I think so anyway, but it was, it was, a, it was, it was so much fun. It was an incredible program. And again, it was great. My sister was there at Iowa State, so she was able to make uh, a bunch of my games and then my parents were able to drive over you know, to all the home games. And it, it was just a lot of fun. We had a, a really great couple of years and great teammates there. You also were picked to do the ESPN three point contest. Um, tell me that story. Cause I know you went through a big process of changing <laughs> shot. <laughs> oh yeah. Yes. So, the, so that's part of a little bit what happened at Illinois. Of course, when you are so zoned in, it's almost like one dimensional of really making something work. And that's how I was at Illinois of really making this program and our team succeed. And it just didn't pan out that way. And so I was, uh, I was a big jump shooter in high school. And so I get off the ground, you know, and put some air between my feet and the floor. If, if you guys can imagine that. And they, the coaches there wanted to kind of make me a little bit more into of a set shooter outside the three point line. Well, of course, after spending all those hours and thousands of shots, uh, I got, you know, it got really emotional and in my head psychologically about how to do that shot, you know, from a set shot instead of a jump shot. So when I ended up transferring, I actually was not able to shoot the basketball from the three point line. So, and when I say that, I mean, I wasn't able to hit the rim I couldn't hit the backboard when I would go and shoot from the three-point line. So I actually made four three-pointers that entire season out of, I think, like 33 games or something like that. So that means I, I just basically didn't have that piece in, in my basketball game anymore. So then when I transferred, I was like, at some point, I'm going to need to figure out this, this three-point shot in my head. And I didn't tell anyone this goal of mine, but I was like, I'm going to try to make the ESPN three-point shooting contest because I know it's going to be so hard for me to be able to do that. I'm going to have to completely transform my shot, my three-point shot. So I go through Iowa State. My first year, I sit out because of the transfer rules. My second year, and during, that, during the end of that year, I tore my ACL. So my sophomore year, when I started playing, I was about a year behind because, you know, you're just not as fast. You have, you know, taken a year to just work on your muscles and, and not, you know, your basketball game. You're just much slower, can't jump as high. So my sophomore season, I wasn't, you know, that, that great. Our team didn't do that well. Junior year, I started with my free throw and I started to revamp my free throw shot because my free throw was also just a little bit off, if you can imagine being in your head. So I started shooting my free throws one-handed and there are really great pictures like this. So, you know, if all your, all of your sports fans out there know toe, knee, elbow, ball, when you're shooting the basketball and your other hand is just a guide hand. Well, I would do that. And then as I was getting ready to shoot, I'd pull my left hand off and I would just release with my right hand. So I ended up taking my free throw from about 70 some percent from my sophomore year up to like high 80 percentile. And I was like, Wow. Okay. So if I can change my free throw, 
I'm going to be able to change this three-point shot. So everyone listening, here's the, here's the end result is that before my senior year, so I was 22 years old, I was like, I'm going to redo this three-point shot. I went right back under the basket like you do when you're in first grade. And I started shooting like hand over the cookie jar shots uh, right one foot underneath the basket. And so this is my, the thing that I always take away is that anytime you come up against something, you can go back to the basics. And so I was like, that's what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back to the basics of what I was taught in all those camps and AAU tournaments to go Tony elbow ball and shoot all over again just forget anything I thought besides that. And so I started to do that. And then I'd go two feet out and then three feet out and four feet out. And by the time I got back to the three point line, I was shooting them basically one handed, but it, the form was perfect. It was just, it was just back to the basics of how you were taught when you were a kid. And I'll fast forward, but I was able to shoot so much better from the three point line. At one point I was leading the nation in three point percentage which was amazing. But what really ended up happening was that I was able to help propel the team. Like I actually was a better player and it made our team better because I was able to add this extra, you know, arsenal to my game, you know, not just jump shots, not just free throws, but be able to be a presence from the three point line. So at the end of the season, we, you know, we didn't make it to the final four, but we made the NCAA tournament. I had NCAA or bus written on my shoe because that was the main thing I was focused on. But they came up and they told me, Ann, you got chosen for the ESPN three-point shooting contest. And I literally just remember starting to cry because I was like, what a journey that I'd been for five straight years from Illinois through the injuries, the ACL injuries, to revamping the free throw, to finally being able to shoot back like I had in high school. And it was just such a, it was just like, oh my gosh, I overcame this mental block, this emotional block, psychological block of shooting. And I was like, what I really take away from that is always just going back to the basics. And so now I do that with my career or my day to day. I'm like, if anything feels too complicated, I'm like, I know there's a simple way if I just look for it. So okay. that, that was just a proud, um, accomplishment because of the journey that it took and the, you know, the really looking and discovering of how to go back to something that, you know, I was really able to do. And so that propelled our, our season that year, which was amazing. And, and then I was able to cap off a, a senior year that, you know, I was, the, you know, one of the years that I was finally looking for throughout my college career. So yeah. there you go. That's my, that's my three point shooting story. So there you go. I love it. Now I hear you talk to, have you always been a real goal setter? Like, do you write your goals down? I know you said you put that on your shoe. You know, so when I was, it just depends. It totally depends because I'm always open to discovering something new, but I do usually have a ballpark idea of where I kind of want to go or what I want to be. And I start adding things into those, those types of goals. So it's kind of funny. I think sometimes, you know, a goal might look like something specific, but you might end up being in the world of it. So I, so just, but for us, we, through those three years that I played at Iowa state, my sophomore and junior year, we, we didn't make the NCAA tournament and Iowa state was a program that had basically never missed the NCAA tournament. So I was like, all of us seniors, we had five seniors at the time. We're like, we have got to make this tournament, whatever it's going to make. And so that's also why I was like, I have my back up against the wall. I need to transform the shot to be able to be a better player for us to be able to win. And so mm -hmm. it all kind of, it is funny how everything's always connected, you know, when you start creating that, but 
yeah, the goals are important, but usually I pick a point in the future, like, you know, even when I was 12, you know, that I'd like to play in college or, you know, that senior year of really making the NCAA tournament. I do really see that vision and then trying to lean into anything that kind of supports that vision, mm -hmm. I would say. Mm -hmm. But I don't try to grip it. I'm not like a gripper and I will like <laughs> stop at anything, but I will be like, I'm going to really lean into the things that feel similar to uh -huh. this, to this goal. I don't know if that communicates or not. <laughs> And then was playing in the WNBA one of your goals then as well? Yeah. Well, see right there, it was, I had only looked so far for the NCAA tournament. I really didn't know that that was an opportunity um, for myself. So when I was drafted, I was drafted 30th by the Sacramento Monarchs. I actually, so I wasn't in New York. Like it wasn't like me in the fashion week. Like you see these days with the <laughs> awesome WNBA players or the college players who are like dressed to the nines and carrying the Jersey out. No, it was nothing like that. I was actually in Ames, Iowa, watching a football scrimmage, watching like a red and gold football scrimmage. And somebody told me you got drafted. And I was like, what? Oh my gosh. I had no idea. And even I, I left out this piece, but you know, from the torn ACL, I had also had like a torn plantar fasciitis, which is the arch in your foot. And at the time that I got drafted, I, I have a, I had a stress fracture. So I went out there, but I wasn't able to play. And so I came back and then they called me back the second year and I was able to play and it was, you know, just a ton of fun. But sometimes, you know, those injuries, you know, they can go back and forth with when you're trying to rehab them. But yes, it wasn't a goal. That NCAA or bust was like the only vision I really had for that year. And it was just icing on top because of how our team performed, how, you know, I was able to transform that shot and then be able to have the opportunity to play with the best players. You know, like I get to play with Tisha Penichero, um at the Sacramento Monarchs which was one of my idols growing up. So I love that you're always, you know, have people to look up to and strive to be and emulate. And that was, you know, what that opportunity was for me. Mm. And how was that experience playing at that level? Well, you know, just like every level you go to, whether you start off in high school and then AAU and then college, every level gets harder and harder. You know, even the different divisions within, within college or different conferences, it's just always a new level of, of how to elevate yourself. And so, you know, I, I was one of the shorter uh, players at Iowa state. I was definitely one of the shorter players in the WNBA. Mm -hmm. Like it was, it was wild, but everyone was just so great. But my experience was amazing. I was able to play a game in Madison Square Garden where, you know, I had watched Larry Burr and Michael Jordan play in, uh, in New York City, which was amazing. And the team had actually won the WNBA championship the year before. And so we were able to go and meet the president in Washington, D.C. because, you know, they got to meet them from, from winning the year before. And I got to kind of ride, ride their coattails <laughs> there. And so, I mean, we had just, um, just amazing experiences all around uh, just playing at that level, but being around it and now to see how much it's even growing and flourishing. And it, it's, it's incredible to see the opportunities that, that women have these days. I just, mm -hmm. you know, I thought there were so many for, for me and I just see it growing and growing. Yeah. It's incredible to watch. Yeah. Very happy for these new generations and what they have available. Yes. Yeah. Yes, definitely. So then post-basketball, you transitions to kind of going on the other side and doing some commentating. Tell me about that. Oh, I love, I love commentating. I love TV color commentating. This is when Brenda Van Lagen comes back in. Y'all know her from Fox Sports uh, and all different types of, I guess, <laughs> things that she calls these days. Uh, and so I called I called a high school basketball games in Iowa, and then I called the University of Missouri, Oklahoma State. And then, like I said, Brenda kind of 
had an opportunity for me and she goes, why don't you Fox for Fox sports? And she's like, why don't you talk to Ann O'Neill about uh, having her call one of these Fox games? So that was a huge break, you know, and I loved the idea of calling the game because it's kind of like podcasting. You get to share people's stories, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not just about the X's and O's. You do talk a little bit about that, but it's really kind of the why, how, and oh yeah, their parents are visiting from here or, you know, how they're coming back from an injury or what they're, what they've been dealing with. And I just love those stories behind the scenes that you don't really get to know. And that was a lot of fun to be able to call those games, um, you know, from the side. And, and you also... I don't know, something I discovered there because I, you know, played basketball, then I coached basketball for a couple of years at Eastern Illinois. And then to be on the TV color commentating team, it is actually all a team. You have people in your ear talking to you. You're working side by side with the play-by-play uh, -play or color analyst, you know, uh, hosting the hosting the TV games, but then you have all the TV uh, commentators, or sorry, not commentators, the cameramen all around and people in the truck. So you get to see this whole production of teams and, and just how everyone is in coordinated action and all about like calling the best game and telling the best story on TV. And so I loved seeing the correlation between what you see as an athlete, then what you see as a coach, and then what you're able to discover, you know, uh, from calling it on the sidelines. So it was a super, super fun experience for sure. What are some things you learned from that, that maybe somebody listening out there who might want to pursue that sort of career? Are there any tips that you learned or things that, you know, mistakes you made or things you found out that would help somebody <laughs> pursue that? <laughs> so, you know, one of the biggest things is uh, that I would say is just say yes. Whenever, whenever somebody asks you to be able to like, are you ready to call this game? You know, and just be like, yes. And then you kind of follow, you know, you pull yourself forward, you know, and kind of generate yourself to be ready to call those games. Uh, I know for me, one of the times that I was calling a Fox game, it was Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State. And I had really, really bad strep throat where I almost couldn't speak. And so we were prepping beforehand and I had all these notes. I also recommend everyone, you know, doing your research, you know, trying to find out all the fun stories that really, you know, engage people into the, into the game when it's not just a pick and roll. So, you know, creating those stories and having them ready to go. So I, that's exactly what I was doing during this game. And I, I looked at the guy and he was like, or so are you ready? And I'm like, I'm going to be very quiet until it's time to go. And I remember him looking at me like, oh my gosh, he's like, then I saw him like scrambling, but I didn't want to say anything. But as soon as the lights turned on, I was like, all right, let's go. And you know, yeah, I was ready to, you're just ready to go and generate yourself. And it was really an awesome game. So sometimes even when you're not ready to, you don't think you have the skill sets, there might be other people around you that, you know, see something in you and just say yes and go for it. And you know, discovering things newly and learning from those experiences are, are always a part of the game, just like when you played basketball or when you were an athlete, you know, it's always about learning and then how do we move forward from then? So those, that's kind of what I discovered from, from that experience. Okay. Yeah. You <laughs> have obviously such a strong mindset and I know now you've transitioned to do your coach and work, do workshops and things on that. Tell me how you're working in that field. I know you've studied with some amazing teachers like Dr. Joe Dispenza and taken some great workshops. Yes, definitely. You know, I, it's something that I always want to be growing, you know, just like when you were an athlete, you wanted to surround yourself with people that were better than you and how do you grow and get better at this craft. And I think there's like that kind of experience, whether it's um, something specific in your career or just maybe life, like how do I get a little bit better at this thing? And so I've gone to, um, 
Dr. Joe Dispenza's workshops. And so those are a lot about neuroscience and meditation, which is a practice now that I've taken on every single day. It's almost the same as like when I played basketball, you you know, you're not thinking too much, you're just being. And that's what kind of what meditation feels like. It's not a lot of thoughts. It's really just kind of being doing that inner work. I've gone and I've gone to South Africa with Martha Beck, who was Oprah's life coach. And that was just a fun experience. I got to train with her for two weeks and just learn kind of how animals aren't always in language. You know, they're just kind of being and playing and then also in action at the same time. It was a really, really interesting perspective there to be in South Africa with Martha Beck. I've also done Mm -hmm. some adventure things with like Jesse Itzler at the Build Your Life resume. Um, things that he does, which is fun because he's all about you build a life and not just a career or not just a job. Um, So that's fun. And then during my consulting uh, gigs that I've had during my career, I got to work with a guy that uh, wrote the national bestseller, The Three Laws of Performance. And so for me, this was amazing because I really understood performance mindset back in the day when I played and then also how it translates to business. And, you know, the study that we did there was all about ontology and ontologies the study of being. So how do people perform is how situations occur to them. And how can you transform that is through future-based language. And so it really kind of goes to athletics. Like I am going to make that shot, you know, instead of, well, I've missed the last five. Yeah. If that kind of communicates, but I got to study under Steve Zafron internationally for two years, again, the author of the three laws of performance. And so it's just kind of putting yourself into situations where you can keep growing and adding to your, your toolkit of, uh, you know, what's possible out there for you. And so that's kind of what I've been up to since just my time in, uh, athletics. Do you have any tips? I know we're all coming off of COVID and I know you and I were talking where I felt like you feel seem to be kind of lacking some of that spark and that motivation and just that confidence are things that we had pre pandemic. Can you talk about your experience with that? And then any tips you have for people to kind of get out of that rut? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. I mean, I feel like I've been kind of in it, like with everybody else and I've been kind of fumbling my way to cultivate that mindset. I will say, one of the the best things that happened for me was was discovering meditation. And I know Ray Dalio talks about it all the time, whether it's transcendental meditation or not. And it's it's starting to come out of just being all about woo-woo. But it really is a powerful place that you can create from and you can create anything that's possible. I always think of the the mindset piece of you're either coming from that past fixed, you know, background, or you're coming from something that's completely new and possible out there for you. And so when I feel myself kind of spiraling or bumping into the same things, I really try to do the breath work. I think the breath work's the biggest piece to meditating where it actually disrupts your autonomic nervous system. So when you focus on your breath, you can't focus on all those crazy thoughts that you have about that email or that meeting or someone didn't like your post or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. You actually start to remember all of that inner work inside. And so the breath work's been really powerful for me. Uh, Like I said, I do it in the morning and then throughout the day. That's been um, very, very helpful. And then, uh, because it, it allows that space. And I think that's really what we're looking for is that space of remembering, oh yes, I can create anything I'd like, or, you know, it's actually possible, or there might be other people out there like on the same vibe, like me and you, like we talked mm-hmm. about. And so, and I would just say, you know, the biggest thing that I realized from even starting my podcast and fumbling through the pandemic is that when you have that space to create from, those people kind of start 
navigating towards you. You know, like if I wouldn't have created that podcast, Brenda and I wouldn't have reconnected and I wouldn't have met you. And so yeah. sometimes just leaning into those things that you're curious about, if we go all the way back to like when you're a kid, the things you're curious about and maybe starting to create something or joining a community or, you know, finding somebody on LinkedIn that has similar interests is really, really helpful. And it's only tiny steps that you really can pull from, from that, but you start creating or you start engaging and you just never know that ripple effect of the people that are out there or how, like how that vibration is going to come back at you. So I think that's probably been the biggest thing. I mean, I started the podcast, you know, just for me. And I was like, this is going to be amazing to be able to talk to these awesome people. And the things I've discovered since then have, have just been awesome. But I think go, doing the inner work, you start to be able to find that space to, to bring people and excitement and curiosity back into your life. Yeah, definitely. Let's tell people more about this podcast because I just love it. So <laughs> yeah. So well, and also I don't have any of the answers. It's a daily, it's a daily practice, right? Just like, <laughs> just like if you, you got all our athletes out there, just like you go to the gym every day, you know, mindset is a daily habit. It's a daily practice that you're doing, whether it's a mindset about you know, what you're eating or working out or how you're presenting yourself in a meeting or what you're writing about. It's a daily thing, just like we laced up our sneakers and went back and shot free throws and did all those things. So yes. So my podcast, uh, yes, it was something, you know, I wanted to make perfect. Of course. I, I know there's other people that don't do things because they want it to be perfect. I'm like, sometimes you just got to go and, and create. And so that's what I did with the podcast. My intention behind it was to answer the question, what ignites people to be bigger than themselves? And this also will kind of go back to one of your tips is that I found if I would create something like this, like I just said, it would inspire me to jump out of bed in the morning. I didn't think sometimes you can't pull yourself out of bed, but if you know that there's a community out there or, you know, someone that you're going to meet on the other side or a nonprofit or a charity or cause out there that you can get behind, sometimes when it's bigger than you, you start to like, you know, have a different pep in your step. And so that's actually what's worked for me with the podcast. Every guest comes on and shares a charity, nonprofit, or cause that they're inspired by. So the, the pillars are about good vibes, growth mindset, and giving back. And so that's what I've found to be super fun because it has inspired me to be around these inspiring people and especially these great causes that, you know, I've been able to, to learn about and share about. Yeah. I love it. It just has such good energy to it. When I was listening to it and just everything about you, you can go to your website and it's like, you got this great, good vibe, you know, like, <laughs> and I think that's so refreshing, especially when you're, you know, when people go down the rabbit hole of social media or there's so much negative negativity out there, you know, it's just such a like breath of fresh air to listen to your podcast and oh. hear all these positive people for sure. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Thank you so much for saying that. Yes. If, if you go to my website, it's just kind of a fun beach picture. And it's like, <laughs> thanks for bringing your good vibes here, you know, cause that's what we want. And you know, social media can make you feel all kinds of things. There's a lot of different things on mental health about social media on the likes and you know, how many filters people are having and all those things. And I'm just like, I just really want to connect with like great people that are doing awesome things in the world. Like you are here with Tom girls. So it, it's been, it's been awesome to be able to have some of these conversations. And you know, one of the, one of the guys I had on his name's Paul McLean and he's doing dreams for life in Bali. And it's about all these underprivileged kids with orphans, you know, that don't have parents. COVID really, really hit them very hard over in Indonesia. You know, these are stories that I didn't even know about until I was in conversation. They don't have access to education. So it was like, I think $395 would give education to 60 kids for an entire year. And I'm like, 
Oh my gosh, that is just crazy. So to be able to discover that, then watch the videos and kind of be a part of that, a part of Paul's story was amazing. And, you know, what's, what's, transformed from that and what's transpired actually is, you know, I'm trying to plan a trip to Bali to go over and see one of the schools now, you know? And so those are the kind of connections that a year ago I would have, you know, never thought in a million years was possible, but I was so moved by the story and the work that he was doing that, you know, I wanted to be able to give back and, you know, create the, those conversations and highlight, you know, what, what they're doing in the communities and what the kids are experiencing actually having education. So you just never know what's possible out there, you know? So I'm like, that's, that's, what's fun. And you can always discover something newly and in a new way. Even if you know the person, you might have a conversation that shows up. Yeah. When you're researching to try to find people, are you just looking on the internet for new guests or how are you finding the people to come in on your podcast? Yeah, that's a great question. I have never been asked that before. You know, I, so I started off with knowing a couple of people, you know, just in my community that I was like, I'd love to share your story and, you know, the nonprofit charities that I know that you have and you're creating, but really it's just kind of, they just kind of show up. I don't know how to say that any differently. Like Brenda and I, you know, talking about her um, docuseries, it's called, if not for them, And she's creating the history of women's basketball, which I was extremely inspired by because I didn't even know that there was a ton of history before Title IX and the NCAA and how much they had to create basketball before it was even really, you know, you know, because it was all about money back then. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. So I just learned so much even just talking with her. But also I saw her post on LinkedIn and then I reached out. So, you know, anyone can reach out to me on, you know, Instagram, my website, whichever. And, you know, if you have an awesome story to share like that, I'm, I'm really excited to be able to highlight them and the good work that people are doing out there because we could all use a little bit more good news and a little bit good vibes out there, I think. Yeah, we sure could. <laughs> well, since you brought that up, tell everybody what your website is and what your Instagram handles are so they can oh. follow you. Okay, great. Thank you. So it is anoneil.co and that's A-N-N-E-O-N-E-I-L.co, anoneil.co. And then I think all of my social media handles I made into Hey. So come say Hey, H-E-Y and O'Neill. So that's like LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter. I haven't like dove into TikTok yet to actually creating. I, I don't know. I don't know how many rabbit holes we can go down here with social media. I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know. So I just, those three, those three are where I'm at most of the time. I, you know, still have to, you know, put hours and time limits on some of them, but uh, yeah. So, hey, Ann O'Neill on all those things. Okay. And before I let you go, any last tips? I mean, just advice or thoughts that you have, or this can cover anything because you do so many things <laughs> so it okay, could be okay, like okay, about somebody it. who wants to be, you know, being a college athlete or, you know, get going after a scholarship or pursuing your, your own business. Like you're doing now too. your leadership, your mindset, those, that career. Oh yes. Uh, man, there's so many tips. Hopefully you were able to take a few away. I do want to all circle back. So back to the basics is always one in case life feels overwhelming from that three point shot, go back to the basics. I would say anytime, any type of thing that you can find that really helps with your inner work actually helps with your mindset. So we talk about mindset so much and it's not just language of like, woohoo, go do it, you know, kind of thing. But it's really kind of sitting into your breath work and your body, whether that's meditation, whether that's praying, whether that's just going on a walk, who knows? It can be something very small, but really doing that inner work, I think, has been incredible for me because I think that was basically what I was doing when I was shooting baskets all, the, all those years ago. So to be able to rediscover that in a new way was, was really powerful. 
Um, I'd say, say yes to opportunities that maybe you don't feel like, again, that you're ready for because other people around you might see something that you don't see in yourself yet. So just say yes and you'll figure it out along the way. And then one of the things we didn't talk about, but it kind of was one of the themes, I guess, a little bit is just continue to stay extremely curious. Like what excites you when you think about it? Like I always think of when somebody says a word or says like, hey, we're gonna you know, book this trip. Do you wanna go? I'm like, yes, like that's the thing. Like, you were talking about the RVs or um, ATVs. And I'm like, that's a yes for me. Like you, sometimes you just know right away what makes you light up and what make what feels warm and good to you. So if that's astro astrology or reading or, you know, uh, studying animals, whatever that might look like, just continue to be curious about it. And when it feels warm and good, and you kind of start smiling when you're thinking about it, then just do a little bit more of those things. And I think the more you can add to that, the happier life is. You have a, a lot of those different curiosities out there that, you know, can be possibilities. So those would be a few of the things um, that I, I can say for tips. Yeah. To That's take away. Wonderful tips. And advice. <laughs> I did think of one more question I wanted to ask you. Oh, too. Yeah, okay, great. Since basketball has, was so much of your life. And then now is there something that you love to do? Like, are you a big adventurer or what are the things that you like to do in your spare time? Oh my gosh. <laughs> so yeah. So before, I mean, again, the big pandemic, you know, I was traveling overseas or to different countries about two to three times a year. So I absolutely love traveling. And that's because I feel like my perspective can change. And it's another, it's another word for like one of my core values is growth. And so I always want to be growing. Well, look at that. We talked about growth mindset, but yes, I always want to be growing is one of my core values, which did help, um, you know, kind of like see the world in a new way, see that people live in a different way. They might think differently. They speak differently. And I'm like, I absolutely love that. I want to learn that way, you know, because it might be something that you can, again, be curious about, and it might be something that you have a really big interest in. So I absolutely love traveling. I love hiking. I love doing all those kinds of things, right? You know, the last couple of years, the meditation has been extremely big for me. So every morning you'll see me on the beach in South Florida here, going out on a, a beach walking meditation, you know, just for, just to kind of start my day and be aligned um, properly. But anything that has to do with, I know this is kind of silly, but anything that has to do with something that's bigger than me, like astrology or quantum yeah. physics, or like, you know, learning from all these thought leaders, I just am really drawn to that. Cause I just want to continue to grow and learn and, and discover new things about myself that I don't even know yet. So mm -hmm. I guess that would be a little bit. So if you, if somebody says we're, and let's go do blank, 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 most likely I'll be like, that sounds good to me. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm here for it. I love it. Well, I'm definitely coming up some, for some things that we can do together. Yes, I know. I, I know. I'm already smiling. I, this has been so awesome. I'm, I'm so honored to be here. Thank you so much for having me on and hopefully your listeners can take a few things away. And again, if y'all want, come say hey to me um, on any of those social media outlets. Yeah, well, you are wonderful. You have so many great tips today. So many things that I'm going to use in my own life. You have me like inspired, you know, so <laughs> I just really appreciate you taking the time and sharing your story. And I just hope for more continued success and growth for you and happiness. Oh, thank you so much. That means that means the world to me. And it is, it's just one of those things. I am so grateful to be able to meet you because again, I think there's that vibration out there that you know, we wouldn't have met unless we were creating and kind of seeking that out. I think, you know, there's that roomy quote of what you seek is seeking you. And sometimes I always think of that. And I'm just so, so grateful that for our friendship already.
Well, and it's like, like you talked about your podcast, it's, it is one of the reasons why I started this. And, you know, I got discouraged during the pandemic because I wasn't doing it as frequently as I was pre-pandemic, you know, so you mm. start to build that frustration, but then, you know, when I get back and I do it and just like today, it just fills me up. It just makes me so happy to be able yeah. to, I, I wanted to be able to create a community of, of awesome women and men too, but this tribe, you know, mm. people that had adventurous spirits and sports minded and things. So I hope that people out there listening are really going to, you know, em embrace everything that you said and take it and use it in their own life. And also like co comment and follow you and just keep Ugh. this tribe growing. Well, that's, yeah, it's the biggest thing is because what it boils down to is people's great stories and what they're up to in the world. And so it, it's, it's just so big. It can be really great when we make those connections and collaborate on new ideas and discovering something new. Like I knew immediately when I talked to you, I was like, oh, this, you never know what we could create out of this or, you know, what's possible. So you just never know. And, you know, not beating yourself up about not doing enough or not writing enough or not posting enough. Y'all, all you got to do is just one or two things and you're, you're good and connect with the people that again, are like feel like magnets to you. So I think that's yeah. really big. This is so awesome. And I'm, I'm so excited to be a part of the Tom girl community for <laughs> sure. Now for sure. Like, yeah. Legit. You're definitely in the tribe. Like, legit. <laughs> awesome. I love well, that. Thank you so much. And thank you guys all for listening and watching again. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram. I'm the same. I haven't quite gotten on Facebook, the TikTok yes. yet. <laughs> and then we have the, the YouTube channel and website. So we will see you again soon. Bye. -bye.